Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that today. I don't believe it's a coincidence. I believe you're here for a reason. And we've been talking about the uh, attribute or the virtues of our church and what we're about. And of course, we understand uh, we're about the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. But there are some things that God has um, really used us in and different variables that we are good at at the church. We can't be good at everything, but we're good at a number of things. And so we begin to narrow those things down as far as what our values are and what we're about at Reach Church. And we did a few of them a number of months ago. I should say almost about eight or ten months ago, we sat down and we talked about seven values that our church represents. And so before I go into that, I'm going to pray and just ask the Lord to help us as we begin this message today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your word is true, that your word is powerful, uh, that it is relevant in 2023, that the word of God applies to us right now. So I pray, God, that you remove every distraction and open our hearts, our minds to receive the word of God. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing of God as I declare your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I had someone ask me about, why do you say 100% undivided attention? Because I go, I remember in school, that's the way my teacher used to say it. Uh, She said, I need your 100% undivided attention. And so uh, I still say that today. And I believe it applies today, even spiritually. Uh, But a couple of things that we've been talking about uh, the last month and a half. And again, we're talking about our values. We talked about we are reach. We talked about we're a church with the great commission to go out and reach people, Restore them into disciples of Jesus Christ and release them to fulfill their God-given purpose. And then we talked about changes are... That's our friend. That's our buddy. We hang out with change. And so we talked about how change is good for you. It causes you to grow. And then we talked about grace and truth. Uh, We do preach truth, but we also preach grace. It's both of them, 100% grace, 100% truth. We talked about that. And then we also talked about 360. We honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around. And so we honor people, and those that are above us, those below us, and those that work alongside of us. And then we talked about making room. We make room for our spiritual health, our physical health, our mental and emotional health as workers. The worker is more important than the work we do. Who you are is more important than what you do. And so we're concerned about your life. And then we talked about defining and aligning last week. And God brings people, he assigns people to our lives, but we need to define them and align them in our relationship. And so this next one, I'm going to have Pastor Isaac, and he's going to come and share uh, this next value. Give him a big hand as he comes up. All right, I appreciate that. I told Pastor Omar this uh this life on life is what we're talking about today. This is, this is who we are. This is what we do. Um, this, uh, th- this value is defined, we define it as teaching and parting and being a living example of Christ for others to follow 
is how we disciple. So if you're here and you're wondering, well, what's the discipleship process? Where's the class that I could attend? This is it right here, okay? Uh, and we really derive this from 2 Timothy 2.2. This is where we see it uh, 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 most practical uh, in the Word of God. And uh, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says this, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And so can I just kind of point out that progression here? He says, uh, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by reliable witnesses. Now the things that you've seen me teach, now teach those truths to other trustworthy people, faithful people, and those people will be able to pass them on to others. And so Many times in, in relationship, uh, when we find those that come into our church, come into our connect groups, they want, they're looking for someone to disciple them. Uh, and as leaders and as those that are looking to really uh, pass on these things that God has called us to do, we're looking for faithful and reliable people that will not only take the things that we teach them, but are looking to pass those on to other people. And so the verse, this verse here in 2 Timothy 2.2 is closely related to this life on life because it emphasizes the importance of passing on the truths of Christian faith to others. In the same way that Paul taught Timothy, who in turn was to teach others, we too are to call, are called to share the gospel and disciple others. And so this value, life on life, emphasizes that discipleship. It's not just about us teaching or imparting knowledge that we, that we possess so that other people could be impressed by us, but it's also living out our faith. And so it's not just necessarily what I say, but what do I do so that others could be drawn to the lifestyle and, 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 and uh, be moved and inspired by the way that we, that we live. Uh, we say this often, and sometimes it frustrates people. We say that more is caught than taught. And this is what we're trying to explain, is that as, as we're living in proximity and, and frequency, we're meeting together in prayer meetings, we're meeting together uh, in this kind of a setting, that you're able to build relationships and connections in proximity. And the more often that you're, you're here, you're able to catch on to some of these things that we're talking about. And so, uh, again, uh, Paul is talking or, or is calling Timothy to teach faithful and reliable people. And I'll just pause right there and maybe ask you to ask yourself that question and reflect. Are you trustworthy? Um, are you reliable? And are you worthy of someone investing the time and the talent and even resources at times uh, into, into your life? And so the overall value of this life on life and this verse both highlight the importance of discipleship, leadership development, and passing on the truths of our faith to others. And, and so by us living out our faith in a visible, tangible way, so that's not only here on Sundays, Wednesdays, at Connect Group and prayer meetings, but that's in the workplace, that's in the marketplace, that's everywhere else. As we do this, and by investing in spiritual growth in ourselves and also the development of others, we can help build a strong foundation of faith that will perpetuate itself from generation to generation. Amen. You guys with that? Well, God bless you. Thank you. That's good. Let me read you a scripture that talks about 
uh, discipleship and being a disciple. It's found in uh, Matthew chapter 28. And really, these are uh, some of the last words that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. Let me read you the scripture. It says, Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority hath been given to me in heaven and on earth. He said, Go therefore, what? And make disciples of all the nations. Not just one nation, all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. And what? Doing what? teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is saying, I've given you this authority. I've given you this power to go forth, even as I'm in heaven and, and on earth. He goes, I'm giving you this. I'm commissioning you to go walk in the same authority, to walk in the same power, and make disciples. In other words, teach them to obey the command of my way. So what is the disciple? Many times when we hear the word disciple, it's not a common word in today's language, in today's culture, but in that era and during that time, the word disciple was very common. Uh, it comes from the Latin word discipulus, which means uh, a, a mentee or a student, or he's a learner or a pupil. He's one that is learning. So in order to learn something new, we got to let go of something old. In order to uh, begin to have something new imparted into your life, if you're going to follow the teachings of Christ, how many know there is a battle going on? Because we have our old way of doing things that's called the sin nature, or many of us have heard the flesh. When we talk about the flesh, we're not talking about this flesh outside. We're talking about the sinful nature inside of all of us that we're born with because we don't have to learn how to do wrong we do it naturally. I mean, whenever you see children, just from, from, from a little, uh, you know, from a, from a child, I mean, from a baby, all of a sudden, this baby is so selfish. It cries when it, it wants food. It cries when it wants attention, right? And, and, then, and then when they're toddlers, mine, mine, and they're mad, and they, and they kick and scream when they don't get their way. I know your toddlers are angels, but let's be honest. It's the sin nature of selfishness that we all have that we were all born with, and then then, as we grow older, we have to learn new things. None of us learn. We, we had to learn how to tie our shoe. We had to learn how to ride a bike. And then we had to learn how to have good manners. Our, our, our parents taught you how to say thank you and how to appreciate it. And yes, ma'am. And so when we give our life to Christ, Christ or the Word of God is in showing us how to be men and women of God, how to be believers. How to take on Christ. You know the word Christian means Christ-like. Not just liking Christ. It means to live your life like Christ. In fact, look at what the word of God says in John chapter 1. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there's a spiritual new birth that is taking place in your life. And this is the new nature of walking and following Christ. And then you become that disciple that you're learning how to observe and live out the commandments of God. In fact, when Jesus came on the earth, uh, it, he started his ministry when he was 30 years old. That's when he began 
began his public ministry. And here's what I want to kind of lay the foundation is he gathered a group of guys that he called disciples. And these weren't the, uh, the cream of the crop at that time. There were some ragtag guys. Uh, some were fishermen. Some were uh, tax collectors. Uh, there were different varieties of background uh, and different places that they came from. But the Bible says uh, he called them disciples. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus was going down the road, he saw Matthew sitting at the tax collection booth. Now, you were a tax collector. You were taking bribe. If you were a tax collector, you were a cheater. You were not someone that somebody would say that is the Christ follower. But Jesus said, hey, you follow me. He said, come and be my disciple. And Jesus said, Jesus said, so Matthew, what did he do? He got up and he began to follow him. And today, the same call is to every individual, come and be a follower of Jesus Christ. He's asking you today in 2023 to be a follower of Christ. He's asking you to be a disciple. Again, a disciple is a learner. He's an he's a apprentice. He's one in training. And so there's several ways in the Bible that the word disciple is used that many of you many times might be a little confused. So let me kind of just give you the basics of this. Being a disciple is one that is being trained by somebody else. In other words, if you're working on a job and you're new at that job, you have a supervisor or a manager or someone that is training you. The proper word back in the Bible days was you're being discipled. You're in training. In fact, throughout the Bible, we see examples of discipleship or someone being trained. Moses trained Joshua. Elijah, the prophet, trained Elisha. David discipled his son Solomon. John the Baptist had disciples. Paul had, as Pastor Isaac was talking about, Timothy. He had Titus and several other men that are mentioned in the Bible. So a disciple is someone that is being mentored by somebody else. We have leaders in our church here that are continually being discipled. They're being trained. They're being taught. And they, in turn, are teaching others. And those others are teaching others to teach others. And so discipleship continues. This is who we are as the church. The second uh, thing that we see in the Bible referring to disciples, many of us would say the 12 apostles were called the 12 disciples. Now, these 12 disciples were called apostles because they were following Jesus from the very time that he started his ministry. But again, these were disciples. We often say, well, where did the word Christian come in? The word Christian didn't come in to after Jesus resurrected and the disciples began to spread the word. It was in Antioch that the word Christian was referred to as disciples. But again, Jesus called his followers disciples. And when he did that, he infused the word. He gave meaning to it. And in several passages in the Bible, he said, if you do this, you're my disciple. If you do this, you can follow me. So discipleship, I'll get into a little bit, is really commitment. So we have to understand everything we do in this church is about discipleship. 
every class, every sermon, every ministry that we have, every event, every outreach that we have has to do with discipling. We're just imparting the things of God into people. So write this down. To be a disciple, write this down. To be a disciple, you must spend time with Jesus in a growing relationship. So if you want to be a disciple, you have to spend time with Jesus in a growing relationship. In other words, the more you invest in a relationship, the closer you're going to get to that person. So we, we, we're not part-time disciples, we're full-time disciples. We're following God. So if you, if you were on the job and they were going to train you on the job, you don't go to your supervisor and say, well, you know, I'll kind of fit you in my schedule. I'll let you know when I can make it. Now, that guy says, hey, forget it. I'll find another guy that I can train. Now, all of us today, if we're going to be disciples of Christ, it's a full-time responsibility. Somebody say amen. And so part of that is we are constantly trying to follow the teachings of Christ. Jesus said it this way in John 12, 26. If you want to be my disciple, you must come and follow me because my servants must be with where I am, and if they follow me, the Father will honor. So look at, discipleship is conditional if you do this, if you do that. It's a choice. So you're positioning yourself to be where Jesus is, to spend time with Jesus. So there's three ways that you can grow in your relationship with God. Number one, write this down, you have to make a choice. God's not going to force you to grow. He says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to grow in Christ in 2023, if you want to grow deeper in your relationship with God and not remain the same like you were in 2022, you're going to have to make a choice. Spiritual growth is intentional. It's not something that happens accidental or automatically. Jesus is giving you a choice uh, whether to follow him or not. And so Jesus wants all of us to grow spiritually and mature. How many know we can grow older without growing more mature? Am I right? Now let me say it this way. You can grow older without growing up. I met a lot of people that in life, they've grown older, but they still have the little high school mentality. They want to party. They want to do all that. Hey, you're, man, come on. You're 30 years old already. You still want to do this, do that. You get mad, you go get loaded. You get mad, you get upset. You're with me? That's the high school mentality. That's the immature mentality. That's the self-centered mentality. You got children now. You got responsibility, and you still want to hang out like a kid. Uh, you're immature. Am I preaching this morning? you got to grow up. Spiritual growth is the choice. You have to grow. Second thing, write this down. Growth is the commitment. Spiritual growth is a commitment. So anytime you want to grow, you got to make a commitment. In today's society, people don't want to commit anymore. And here's the problem. When you don't commit, you'll never grow. That's why we tell people, if you're at a place in your life, you need to make a commitment to Christ because you're never going to grow. You're always going to stay the same. I can't tell you how many times I meet people, even believers, that say, well, you know, I'm not being fed in that church, so I'm, I'm going to go to another church. Can I just tell you, babies and sick people are the only ones that get fed. Are you still a spiritual baby? Are you still spiritually sick? 
Because you have to learn to grow up and feed yourself out of the Word of God and pray. Am I right? I'm preaching better than you're clapping, but here it is. You must come and follow Jesus. So really what we got to do is we got to get in gear and get off our rear. Am I right? You got to reach for it. You got to start making some new commitment. Uh, Marriage causes you to grow. Having children should cause you to grow as you're making commitments. Am I right? Anytime you make a commitment, it should cause you to grow. In fact, if you don't grow, it's because you're not making constant commitment and you're remaining immature. This is why a lot of people have a fear of commitment because they don't want to grow. And because commitment, what? Requires accountability. Commitment requires responsibility. Commitment, can I tell you, means maturity. Your commitments will define your life. Let me just say it this way. You are the sum total of the things that you're committed to. And here's the problem. We shouldn't be committed to everything. How many have ever heard that? Jack of all trade, master of none. You can't be committed to everything, so you have to make a priority. What is your commitment in your life? Is God one of your commitments? Is he a priority in your life? See, what you prioritize is what you commit to and with the example that you set your children to look at and follow. If church is not a commitment, if church is not priority, then you know what? They're not going to take it serious. So we have a lot of people in our church here, not every single one. There are people that are growing in different stages in their walk with God, but we have many people that are mature. In other words, they have grown in their walk with God. They've made commitments, and it's not something that's happened accidental. It's been very intentional. We are very intentional about growing believers and getting Getting them to a place of commitment and maturity. Now, we have several different people that are in different stages in their walk with God, but our goal is to get you to a place of commitment and maturity and growth and to become a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. So you don't run a marathon all at once. You, you start practicing. You start preparing. And so we're helping people get there. Believe it or not, this is how Jesus started his commitment in discipleship is he started off very lightly. Number one, this is how he did it. First, when he saw somebody, he said, come. He basically said, come to me. Jesus was saying, come to me. Uh, At first, from the very beginning, what Jesus' mission was, was to move them from no commitment to super commitment. He was gradually, listen to me, this is what we're about. He gradually and intentionally took his disciples through stages of commitment. And I'll show you this in in, in several scriptures in the Bible. John chapter 1, verse 39, when he starts his ministry, he tells his followers, come and see. This is his first invitation. Jesus is saying, come and see. He said, Lord, uh, where, where are you going? He said, come and see. This is our commitment level. This is our first one. When people say, hey, what are you doing on Wednesday night? Come and see. What are you doing Sunday morning? Come and see. What are you doing Friday night? Come and see. Come and check it out. Come and check out what's going on. So he starts with people, come and see. The second thing he says, come and follow. So after you saw, after you've seen, then he says, come and follow. What does it mean to follow? That means to make a U-turn in the, from the direction that you've been walking in and go the direction God wants you to go in. 
So you're no longer following your own self, doing what you want to do. But he says, come and follow. He says, you've been going the wrong direction. Now I want you to turn around and go this direction. And then several times during Jesus's ministry, he gave several invitations that were promising to meet their needs or their felt needs. Several times, I just read several scriptures. Matthew 11, he says, if you're tired, come and I'll give you rest. John chapter 7, if you're thirsty, come and drink. And John chapter 5, come to me. Now you'll have life. John chapter 10, those who come to me will be saved. So he's inviting them to, to come and meet their needs in their life. And in John chapter 21, my favorite one, some of you will really like this. He said, come and have breakfast. I love that. Anytime that there's food got my attention. Am I right? I can't tell you how, many, how much discipleship takes place over fellowship in food. Somebody say amen. And so Jesus began to do that and then he began to help them grow in their commitment and he began to challenge them a little bit more and in Mark chapter 9 or Mark chapter 8 he said come and deny yourself come follow me Matthew 8 22 and let the dead bury the dead Luke chapter 9 come take up your cross and follow me Luke chapter 14 you can't be my disciple unless you give up everything Matthew 18 give away what you got and come and follow me so he's requiring more and more commitment as you mature and you develop into a disciple of Jesus Christ does that make sense and at the very very end, there's going to be this invitation. See, this is where we want to get to this place when we stand before God and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Come and receive your inheritance in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. So when you commit to God, I'm telling you, there's going to be an invitation to come into heaven as well. The third thing that it teaches us about spiritual growth is spiritual growth at the disciple is all about relationship. In other words, today, if we're going to grow with God, it's about a relationship with Christ. In Mark chapter 3, the plan was that they would be with him and that he would send them out to proclaim his word. So how do we maintain this relationship with God? It's called prayer. It's called talking to God. It's having this conversation with God, just like you have a conversation with people, but you begin to talk to God, and as you grow, you'll begin to uh, sense the presence of God, and you'll begin to hear God speak to you in your heart, and your soul, and so write this down. Number two, if you want to be a disciple, you must love Jesus more than anything else in your life. See, this is the next level of discipleship. Look at what it says in Luke 14, 26. If you want to be my follower, follower, you must love me more than your father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, what? You cannot be my disciple. So Jesus doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. I make no apologies. I, 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 I don't make any apologies for what I'm preaching. I'm preaching the word of God. I'm not going to water it down and say, hey, just, you know what, just kind of serve God the way you want to. You know, just kind of come and do whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, you'll get in. No, no. Jesus says, if you're going to follow him, you must love him more than anything else in your life, even more than your life. He's saying, if you love God, 
In other words, if you love God more, he's comparing basically nothing, he doesn't, he's not going to be second to anything. And actually, the more you love God, the more you're going to love people. And this is what worship is. Worship is saying, God, you're above everything else in my life. So if you're a dad here today, can I just tell you, if some, I want to talk to some of your men. If you're a dad, you're a husband, I want to just say this to you. The greatest thing that you can do as the husband and as the father is basically love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. If you want to bring security to your wife, if you want to bring security to your children, man, if they can see you loving God and serving God, I'm telling you, that brings security to your home, your everything. But the minute men start wanting to do their thing and they're this and that, they're up and down, uh, they're with you one moment, that guy, he, his home is t- unstable. But when a man loves God and a man shows that example to his children and to his wife, that brings security to the whole, everything in that home. And just as Jesus gave his life for the church, the Bible says husbands are to lay down their life for their wife. So you're to love God more than anything else. And as you do that, it's going to help you love your children and others around you. Spiritual growth, listen to me, is measured by your love. Look at what it says in John 14. Those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. Because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So your spiritual growth is how much you love God, and a byproduct of your love for God is obedience. Did you hear that? So you can say, I love God, but you don't obey God. Your love's not real. It's just a word. Just something you say. Love is a, by, a, a byproduct of love is obedience. He said, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandment. It's not measured by how much you know. It's not measured by how much Bible knowledge you have. It's not measured by your skill. Not measured by how much you come to church. All those are good. Your spiritual maturity and your spiritual growth is it, measured or your love is measured by your obedience. Look at Mark chapter 12, the most important command. You must love God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So so love today, the byproduct of real love for God is your obedience. Well, I'm preaching today. So don't tell me how much you love God. Shut up and obey. Obey God. You've heard that, right? Third thing. The third key to being a disciple, if you want to grow spiritually, this is a little harder, you've got to love other people. See, if we're saying we're a disciple, life on life is it getting a little harder now. See, it's easy to love God because he's perfect, but how many know people are not perfect and neither are you? Am I right? So you can love God, but you don't, you see, but technically you don't, can't see God, but what about loving people that are around you that you see all the time? You're supposed to love the family of God. In fact, in John chapter 13, Jesus said this way, if you have love for one another, then everyone will know what? That you're my disciple. So a a characteristic or an identity that you're a follower of Christ, that you're a disciple, is that you love other people. 
In other words, it's demonstrated. He says, proof that you're a disciple of God is that you love other people. You could say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. That don't make sense. I love Jesus, man, but I hate the church. Oh, I have church hurt. Who doesn't have church hurt? Is there anybody here that's never been hurt by someone? Someone in the church? It's like saying, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your bride. Because the, the church is called the bride of Christ. It's like someone telling you, hey, man, I love you, but, man, I hate your wife. I can't stand her. It wouldn't make no sense, right? So let me tell you a simple fact here that if you're in this church, the closer you get to people, the more you're going to get hurt. But part of that hurt, are you listening to me? God uses it. Are you hearing me? So that you can forgive. How many people have been hurt by a coworker, a friend, a family member, all these things. And then we think of the church and we think, man, uh, you know, uh, but this is the church. Yes, imperfect people just like you. Imperfect, broken people. Just, you have this false expectation that everybody in this church is perfect. We are not. Are you listening to me? So without a doubt, you will get hurt. Listen to me. Most of the time it's in, in, unintentional, maybe even intentional. But here is what I'm saying to you. Jesus died for his church. He died for people. He forgave people, and we're supposed to do the same. Somebody say amen. amen. So if you don't love the church, listen to me. How is it we want to go to heaven when all these people in church are going to be in heaven and you can't stand being around them here? You're going to have a hard time being in heaven. You're going to be with the same people that you didn't like. It doesn't make sense to me. So Jesus said it this way. 1 John 4, 20 says, Someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? So if we say we're a disciple of God and we don't love other people, we're, we're lying because, we're, because we're, basically we're denying our love because we're, we don't love others. Spiritual growth happens in community. Discipleship happens around people. Discipleship cannot happen by yourself. It cannot, it's just me and Jesus. No, Jesus uses people to minister to you so you can need to connect with people. Spiritual growth happens in a spiritual family. This is life on life. It happens in in community. This is why it's so important that, that Jesus said you love one another. See, all of these other religions, if you ever look at these religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of these, uh, really they talk about isolation. And the more isolated you are, the more spiritual you are. But Jesus did the opposite. He said, no, we need others. In fact, over 58 times in the New Testament, he talked about loving one another, caring for one another, Serving one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, forgiving one another. So throughout the Bible, Jesus always was in gatherings. In fact, uh, he, it, Jesus would be considered a party animal today. He was in weddings. He was in different places associating with people. And this is what we call koinonia. The word, the Greek word koinonia means fellowship, means being around people. This is why we have connected groups, uh, that home groups on Friday night so that you can get around some people. See, some of you don't even know the people in your row right now. Some of you, some of you, you can look across it. I know anybody, but we have these smaller groups where you can begin to connect 
and you can begin to put love into practice, right? You can learn how to love people. You can learn how to forgive people. Get in a home group. If you're not going to a home group on Friday night, I want to encourage you to go to our home group. We got several connect groups on Friday night so that you can begin to do that. So Jesus also said, write this down, if you want to be a disciple, you must always do what Jesus tells you to do. And here's where we wrestle with because we only want to do what we want to do. We don't always want to do what Jesus wants us to do. Right? Look at John 8:31. If you continue to obey my teaching, you are truly my disciple. Right? If you continue to do this, then you will know the truth, what? And the truth will set you free. I want you to notice the ongoing spiritual growth that is required is that you must continue to obey the teachings of Christ. That then identifies you as a true disciple, and then that will set you free. Many of us are not free from things, from habits, addiction, because you don't continue in the word. You're not continuing to follow God. I've noticed people that are in Christ that that have learned how to mature. They are continually growing and developing and following with God. See, you're not growing if you're still gossiping about people. You're not growing if you're still resentful and you're still bitter. You're not growing today if you're still self-centered. See, that's why you can't be free of things. In fact, I want to just tell you today, spiritual maturity happens as you begin to follow the teachings of Christ. And a lot of things you're going to have to read on your own. You're going to have to get home and begin to read the Bible. You're going to, because I'll be honest with you. They've done studies that you will forget 90 to 95% of what I just taught today in 72 hours. In 72 hours, we will forget basically any speech, anything within the next, I I really, I'm, you know, it's discouraging as a pastor, because I know by Wednesday, most of you will forget what I talked about today. That's why we have to remind you on Connect Group on Friday, what we talked about, to kind of get the thing going again, so that you can remember, because again, we forget most of the sermons. You've got to put it into practice yourself. Can you say amen? So he said, if you continue in my teaching, so your obedience is measured by, or your, your discipleship is measured by your obedience. If you continue to obey my teaching, then you will be my disciple. It's not just knowledge of the Bible. It's not just knowing what the Bible says. It's not just having all of these things. It being free from bondages and habits and things of our old life that we used to walk in and now God breaks them because we're determined to obey all God. The truth will set you free. I said the truth will set you free. Some of you need to be free today. You need to learn how to be free today. Some of you today that you're in here, just the past, what was it, the last couple of months, I've been doing some weddings here. People have been coming, they were living together, they said, I want to be a true follower. I don't want to be living in sin anymore. And so I've had some weddings even in our office today. And so I tell people, you want to get married, go get a marriage license, we'll get you married like tomorrow. We'll get you married Wednesday. Just come and I'll marry you and I'll marry you after service. I've even had weddings after service. People said, Pastor, I got the wedding license. I said, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. Because they, they've understood, I, I don't want to be living in sin. See, if you're a disciple, you're going to do everything Jesus tells you to do. 
See, if you're not, then you say, I don't want to get married. You know, I'm okay. You're making excuses. But if you're a disciple of God, are you with me? You're going to obey everything God's telling you to do, okay? Number five, write this down. A fifth qualification to be a disciple of Jesus is I must serve others unselfishly. This is why we have people in ministry today that are serving. We got people that are serving in our cafe. We've got ushers, people serving in our Sunday school, taking care of your children, taking care of your little angels. They're so the saints that you have back there, those little babies and, and toddlers. They're taking care of them. Why? Because we have people that are serving unselfishly. We don't we don't pay our cafe workers. We don't pay our ushers. We don't pay any of those people. They are serving unselfishly. Look at what. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever shall be great among you, what? Must be a servant, and whoever among you would be greater must be a servant of all. So the bottom line in the kingdom of God, it is opposite. We serve others. We do it unselfishly because that's what disciples do. Someone say amen. The significance of our life is not the salary that we make uh, at your job. It's not just success that you have. It's not how much money you earn. It's when you serve other people. They're going to run me off the stage here in a minute. But I want to say to you that we have many ministries in our church that you can serve in. And in fact, next month, we're going to have a place where you can sign up for ministry. Is that all right? We want people to serve in that ministry. And the last thing I want to say to you is the disciple shares the good news and he disciples others. And this is the life on life that Pastor Isaac was talking about. What we learn, we impart into somebody else. Jesus said in Matthew 4.20, Jesus said, come, be my disciple. And he said, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at one and went with him. So he said, I'm going to show you how to fish. I'm going to show you how to get more people. And then later on, as Pastor Isaac talked about, is he talked about what you've heard among many witnesses in First uh, Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, what you've heard in my presence, teach to others, uh, uh, teach to faith faithful men that you can entrust others. So it's not just about winning people to Christ, but it's also about teaching them how to live for Christ. And so what you've learned, you teach others. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, as I began to learn the Bible, as I started bringing my friends to Christ and, and bringing them to church, just a little that I knew, I began to show them. I began to model Christ for them as much as I knew. I was just new in the Lord. But the few scriptures that I knew, a uh, few things I knew how to pray, I would teach my friend. I, discipleship continued, life on life. So somebody tells you, you tell them, right? Somebody imparts into you, you impart into somebody else. And this is a seed, basically a seed reproduces after its own kind. And so you have the seed of the gospel, and you're supposed to impart it into somebody else, and then they take that seed, and, they, and guess what? It begins to multiply. Before we know, we have an orchard. It starts from a little garden. Before you know, we have an orchard of trees and an orchard of disciples, and this is what we're doing in our church today. We're seeing more leaders. We're seeing more people. We're seeing discipleship continue, and it's not a pattern that I invented. It's not a pattern that we... It's all in Scripture. As you see the Bible taking place, uh, discipleship, life on life.
See, we don't believe in casual Christianity. I say we don't believe in casual Christianity. We believe today that a believer needs to get off of being immature and start being mature Christianity. We, th we want committed believers. We're looking for some committed believers. We're looking for believers today that will begin to grow up and say, hey, I want to do something for God. What, what can I serve? What can I do? What difference can I make? And then the little that you know, you can impart in somebody else. It's life on life. It's connection. It's community. It's what our church is about. And this is why we see what God's doing. We were able to plant churches and see leaders raised up. We have several churches in, in uh, Texas, in Washington, Colorado, and Ensenada, all over California. Why? Because discipleship is taking place. And friend, I tell you what, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Christianity today, but we need disciples, real committed followers of, uh, of Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray. Would you just pray with me? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.